the time you're listening to this podcast, the NHL season is already underway. Folks, we made it. It's finally here. A new season of hockey is upon us. And it's that time of the year where we make even more predictions. Episode 382 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Buff. Uh, full disclaimer, we are aware Connor Halbuck, Mark Scheifele, Rasmus Dahlin, all that stuff has already happened. We're going to uh, go for a more in-depth reaction next week, probably, hmm. uh, when news is pretty light, because there there's a lot to, to debate in terms of uh, what this means for the grand scheme of things around the league. But we're going to be doing more predictions, Brett. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, more so on the awards side of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we, and, and I guess we will eventually start talking about the Calder, of course, because there's a few set of rookies uh, this this uh, this time of the year. I think more than usual. Um, that to get yeah, excited pretty about. spicy rookie class, yeah, yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into that as well, and we're saving that till the the last parts of these awards. But yeah, we're gonna start off with the the main awards here, um, and um, yeah. So we usually have these lists. We've been doing this for a while now, but um, I guess we're gonna start off with the Rocket Richard, which is usually the the player who scores the most goals. Um, last year it was Connor McDavid. Um, and, you know, it is kind of interesting because sometimes, like, I, I just remember there was, or just looking at Wayne Gretzky's stats where it's just funny how you look, obviously his goal totals were still pretty high, but usually he was, he had, he always had more assists than goals. I mean, I guess that's the same for, you could say that about anyone, but, um, but there was like, there's one year where you could see, like, like in the off season, he's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna score goals because I feel like it, and that's kind of what Connor McDavid did, where he was just like, you know what? I've had enough of Austin Matthews. I'm just gonna score goals, and I'm gonna get the Rocket Richard, and that's what happened. Um, and um, so, so it is kind of funny. It's like this: this Rocket Richard is Connor McDavid's if he just decides it. Um, and if not, it's probably either Austin Matthews, um, probably David pa- David Pasternak. Although, because he who knows with his center situation, it, it might be a little bit different um, with Pasternak, I and mean, we'll see. But um, I still think uh, Pasternak will still get a lot of goals. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I guess it. I guess it makes sense that it would have to be Connor McDavid. Um, I would have to be the front runner, but maybe it'll be um, Austin Matthews. I guess the a dark horse candidate would be Jack Hughes. Um, I could see that, or Jason Robertson. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, I, I was tempted to pick both of those guys, um, but yeah, I mean the automatic is McDavid. I mean, yeah. like. He's, he's that type of playmaker where he's just going to be like, I can also rip 50 to 60 goals just by myself. Right. And, you know, the way that uh, he controls the game with his speed and whatnot uh, is 
um, is a perfect indication of that. But I'm going to go with Leon Dreisaitl for my oh, pick. Yeah. And the, the reason being is looking at, and obviously this could change throughout the course of the year, but I'm looking at Connor, uh, Connor McDavid's line mates. I almost said Bedard already. My apologies, <laughs> Connor. Connors. Um, yeah, Connor McDavid to... is sandwiched in between Evander Kane on the left wing, uh, who played 41 games and granted got 16 goals, 28 points. Uh, but also Connor Brown, who only played four games last year before an injury took out basically his whole season. And uh, we mentioned earlier that Connor Brown and Connor McDavid were line mates in their OHL days with the Erie Otters. So they have a bit of chemistry in the past. They haven't really played together in quite some time. And uh, it could take a bit of time for that line to get going. Meantime, for Dreisaitl, you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had 37 goals and 104 points last year. And also Zach Hyman, who had a big year in his own right, 36 goals, 83 points last season. So I feel like Dreisaitl's going to have the better line mates. Uh, he's also going to get you know the same amount of power play minutes, maybe a bit more, uh, for uh, the Edmonton Oilers this season. And I think uh, that hot start to the campaign is probably just going to hold up enough. So I'm going to say Dreisaitl uh, as the Rocket Richard winner. Yeah, I was actually about to say Dark Horse would also be Leon Dreisaitl as well. But um, I guess if I'm going to put... It's basically, it basically one of those two guys for me. It's either yeah. McDavid or Dreisaitl. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, yeah, I guess if I'm... I, I feel like I just want to be contrarian now. So I'm going to say Jack Hughes um, just to be different. But yeah, uh, Dreisaitl is the other obvious pick too. Um, okay, um, then we have, uh, the Art Ross. Um, I feel like this is definitely Connor McDavid, um, so he yeah. won last year. Yeah. He had, like, I think the question is, is, like, how many points will he get and not if he'll mm -hmm. get the most points in the league. Um, like, last year, um, let me just look this up quickly. Last year he had, um, 153 points. Um, which would put him at 1.87 points per game. I could, mm -hmm. you know, it would be kind of cool if he got 160, because um, or 161, because that would be um, two points per game, um, or roughly two. I guess that would be 164 um, points per game. But um, so you look at me doing math here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, that would be so pretty, that, so yeah. he would need he would need to be nine points better and keep note that he played a full eighty two yeah. last year. I don't so he got one hundred and fifty three yeah. in a full season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like when you put it that way, it's like I haven't been saying that he had one hundred and fifty three because that's so close to being two points per game. But yeah, I I think um it's definitely Connor McDavid there. But you know I I feel like yeah. he's re Connor McDavid's reached the Gretzky level where it's like you have to like. Assume like, like he's the obvious choice. You have to assume that everyone's gonna pick him, um, and that's not as fun. So I'm gonna go with, um, yeah, screw it. Let's go with Jack Hughes again uh, for the Art Ross as well. Um, if <laughs> if if he's gonna get the Rocket Richard, then yeah, he'll get the Art Ross. Let's let's just uh, let's uh, let's have Jack Hughes there too. Would not surprise me if Connor McDavid wins the Ross, even if he misses like fifteen to twenty games. Yeah, and that's true. I hope too. that doesn't happen and that he plays a full season again. Yeah, obviously. Uh, don't wish, don't wish anything on anyone. With, with these, I uh, feel like only 
with these predictions, you have to assume that it's 82 games. Obviously, if, if McDavid plays yeah. half the year, then it's like, yeah, of course, that's going to happen. But who would predict that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think for most predictions, like, for, forget the points. Yeah. Um, the guy who's going to get the most points, the only way it's not McDavid is if a major injury slows him down. Yeah, um, yeah. Because there, you know, there are guys like Nikita Kucherov and Jack Hughes and and Jason Robertson, and we saw David Pasternak last year. And you could say like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Kirill Kaprizov. You could throw the, in them in that conversation where they're like, I think they could probably get like 110 plus points in a season at their absolute best. Uh, but I mean, 153. Like if McDavid's going at that pace, like yeah. he's probably still going to finish like 25 to 30 points ahead of the next guy, or uh, 10 points ahead of his teammate Leon Draisaitl. Uh, right. So I'm uh, until I see otherwise, uh, McDavid all the way. McDavid's getting the Art Ross. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like sneaky dark horse candidate? I'm going to say 145 points for McDavid. By the way, in terms of a dark horse candidate. Oh boy. Um pro, uh I mean I don't think you could classify Drysdale as a dark horse candidate. Yeah, I think um, you could well I anyone would, who I would say anyone who's not McDavid is a dark horse candidate. Okay, so would that include Drysdale? Uh well cuz you just picked him for the Rocket Richard, sure. But uh Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Fine, I fine. You could pick him for I guess you could pick him for both because McDavid could, won uh, yeah. goals, assists, and points. I think last that's fair. Year, but that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go try settle. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. I, I kind of gave yeah. you a. <laughs> McDavid I, is my pick. The uh, dark horse is try settle. I gave you an opening there. Um, yeah. All right, let's do the hard trophy now. Um, and yeah, this is the the other one where it's like, okay, it's obviously going to be McDavid if he is as good as we expect him to be. Um. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I feel like it, this is just boring because you're going to pick McDavid or Dreisaitl and I'm going to be like, uh, like, oh, well, I guess the Dark Horse could be Jack Hughes. Um, I guess I could see maybe there is a potential um, if Connor Bedard is as good as we think he is um, and the Blackhawks are like, I guess the only way that it would ha- have to work is if Bedard literally brings the Blackhawks into the playoffs, um, then I could see that happening. Um, I don't know if that's going to actually happen, though, uh, but I guess that could happen because it's like it just reminds me of when, like, Taylor Hall um, brought the Devils into the playoffs, and that's why he won the Hart Trophy that year because it's like the Hart Trophy is like at least with. The thing with having Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same team is that, like, for this type of award, you could make the case, it's like, oh, well, without Dreisaitl, would McDavid, would the Oilers be that good? Without, and it's yeah. like, oh, you have Dreisaitl, and then you could do the same and vice versa. So, so there is that, like, sense, or it's, it's just like Crosby and Malkin and, and all that stuff. So, um... Hughes and Heischer and, and all that stuff, so, um, so, you, or, like, you know, even, like, I guess there is potential that, like, maybe, like, McKinnon, uh, cause the Avalanche aren't as good, um, this year than they were in years pe- past, um, so you can make a case for McKinnon, of course, if he's healthy, 
and of course, the other consideration is Kale McCarr's in that on that team as well. Um, I feel like Jason Robertson also maybe has a chance there. I guess I'll throw in Jack Hughes as well, because um, if the Devils or the Stars are going to be one of the better teams, um, I think um, then you have um, yeah, you still have a pretty good team, but. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things that's like, just because you're on a good team, it kind of, can kind of work against you. Um, and I guess on that note, you could make the case of like David Pasternak, um, because yeah, you have Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, um, and who knows, uh, Linus Olmark will probably be there too, but, um, a lot of people are expecting the Bruins to not make the playoffs this year, um purely because, like, they don't have Bergeron and they don't have Krejci. So if Pasternak can, can kind of, if the Bruins can make the playoffs and Pasternak has, like, 100 points plus, then, yeah, he has a pretty good case of winning the Hart Trophy uh, this year. So I, I guess I, I, this is my homer pick, but I, I, I did say have some logic here, um, and I think I'm going to go with David Pasternak. Yeah, and you know what? That's a good homer pick to bet yeah. on. And there's a lot of logic behind that because yep. you also don't have Tyler Bertuzzi there anymore. You also right. don't have Dimitri Orlov. And you're getting a lot of guys on one-year contracts yep. that were like, maybe they were sort of good five years ago, but yep. right now they're not what they were. Yep. Um, and the Bruins are taking a lot of gambles with those uh, free agency bargains. And... Uh, it's going to take a of. Uh, I mean, not to say it's not insurmountable, but like it's going to take a lot for the Bruins to, um, you know, remain competitive because of the talent that they've lost. And there's a lot of guys in situations they haven't been in before. They don't have Taylor Hall as a depth forward anymore, or Nick mm-hmm. Foligno uh, in a in a leadership role because they traded him to Chicago to again clear up cap space to try to afford everyone and um, try to adapt. So um, I think under that. Um, uh, under those circumstances, and also with a new number one center on the top line, um, Pasternak's going to have to adjust to a lot, and a lot's going to be expected of him. Uh, so I can definitely uh, see someone uh, throwing uh, their weight behind Pasternak for the heart. Or, you know, the nose face killer who's the new captain, Brad Marchand. Maybe he gets it yeah. done, too, if, if he has I feel, Yeah, I feel uh, like, I feel like Marchand, it would be a little bit tougher for Marchand just because he, um, yeah. he's older. Um, and mm-hmm. he's just he's coming. He's 35. I didn't yeah. realize. Jeez. So, um, but yeah, I guess it is possible with Marshawn, and I'm sure that could be a, if Marshawn has a good year and McAvoy has a good year, then yeah, you could, that would be a knock against Pasternak getting the hard trophy, um, as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that is also That being said, uh, I'm not going to go with Pasternak. I'm just merely defending your pick. Uh, I am going to mention. I am going to choose a guy that you did mention. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, the Colorado Avalanche, okay. is my pick, and this isn't the dark horse pick. If McDavid doesn't win it, I'm taking mm-hmm. this as my pick. Uh, reason fine. being, the Colorado Avalanche, less to a lesser extent than the Boston Bruins, they also have a bunch of new guys coming in. Yep. They've uh, been. They've. They're starting to lose guys to the salary cap. Uh, so they have Ryan Johansson coming in. They have Tossed Tatar on a cheap one-year deal. They have Jonathan Drouin, who are the, they're going to test out on Nathan McKinnon's line, among other assets. But those are the main guys that I just mentioned in that group, and I'm probably missing at least one other person. Uh, they also don't have Pavel Francouz to start the year. So Ivan Prospetov is basically 
their backup plan if Georgiev struggles or gets injured. God forbid either happens. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pressure stacked on Nathan McKinnon's shoulders. And yes, he does have Miko Rantanen, but he doesn't have Gabriel Landeskog, who is out the entire season yet again. So um, McKinnon's going to be asked to provide a lot of offense, and he's definitely the guy that can just take over a game and put the team on his back. Um, and I think the Colorado Avalanche are going to need Nathan McKinnon at his best in order to, um, you know, continue to be that top dog in the Western Conference. The good news for Colorado is outside of a few teams, it's still a wide open race for them to set themselves apart from the rest. Uh, and I think in order to do that, they're going to need a plus plus game from McKinnon all the time. And I think he's going to deliver. So give him the heart trophy. Yeah, no, that's a good call to it, and I didn't mention him. I feel like I was all over the place on this question, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, there, no, are, there are a lot it. of options, to yeah. be fair. Uh, yeah. A lot of talented, young American forwards yeah. as well. We mentioned Tage Thompson and Jason Robertson, Jack Hughes. Right. They could all be in the conversation again, but if you give 115-plus from Nathan McKinnon uh, in terms of points, if you put that up there, maybe like a 40- to 50-goal season as well, uh, I mean, and if, again, if he puts that team on his back and carries them to victory yeah. more often than not, I think that'll be enough to just barely edge out McDavid. It's going to be a tight race, yeah. but I think uh, Nathan McKinnon can do it if he has a really, really, really good year. Yeah, no, no, that's that's definitely true. And I think it's like, you know, the Art Ross and the Hart Trophy kind of go hand in hand. And it's like last year, it's like you had to give it to McDavid because it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you could make a case that the Oilers would probably make the playoffs without him. But... Since McDavid got this good, I 100% yeah. agree with that sentiment that Hart, Art Ross and the Hart Trophy are, are tied together at that, basically. Yeah, like, but, like, it's only just for, like, ex- uh, those, like, exceptional seasons. Like, as I was mm-hmm. just about to say before I got cut yeah. off, was that... Oh, uh, no, it's fine. Um, was that, like, yeah, you can make the case that, like, without McDavid, the Oilers would probably still make the playoffs because they have Dreisaitl, Vander Kane, and all these guys. Um, but, on the other hand, it's like, McDavid, as you were just saying, he was, he had seven, he was seven points shy from getting two points per game, and he was that incredible compared to everyone else. So it's just like, okay, you have to give him the heart. Um, the other kind of stuff, as you were talking, that I was thinking, like, Oh, I could actually kind of see that too. Um, Elias Peterson, um, and this would, you know, this would have to be a season where the Canucks make the playoffs um, yep. and uh, they don't struggle in the first half type of thing. Um, and, like, Peterson is the big reason why they do that. So uh, Peterson could do that. Um, and also Jack Eichel. Um, and this would be, um, I mean, I guess it's a similar thing because the Golden Knights do have a good supporting cast around Eichel. Um, of course, Mark Stone, but uh, the thing with Mark Stone is he always gets injured, um, so um, I could totally see Jack Eichel um, make the play, like the Vegas Golden Knights make the playoffs, and you have Jack Eichel there leading the way all the all the season, all the way through. Um, yeah, uh, that would be uh, the ultimate what year is it timeline where yeah. Jack Eichel edges Conor McDavid for the Hart trip. Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, that would be kind of funny, and <laughs> funnily enough, Sabres fans would be kicking themselves. Um, um, all right, now we go to the Hart Trophy. Uh, sorry, not the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy. 
The Hart um, Trophy for defensemen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, this is... I mean, I feel like this is a three-man race. Um, it's either between Roman Yossi, uh, Kale McCarr, or Eric Carlson. Um, and um, I, I think it's Kale McCarr's to lose. Um, it's just if he can play a full 82 games. Um, and if he can do that and have a great season, then... Yeah, he, he wins the Norris. If he's, he, it seems like the last couple of years he's been injured, but, um, so, and that's kind of like, uh, kind of declined his, um, his Norris trophy hopes. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's, it's, um, it's between that. Uh, Roman Yossi, he's clearly the best player on the Nashville Predators. We were talking about them when we were doing the preview there that, um, you know, Roman Yossi is the guy there, basically, and he's he's a very good defenseman, um, and bar none, you could make the case just like we were just talking about, where, like, Kill McCarr has Nathan McKinnon, Mika Rantanen, um, a bunch, like, maybe Jonathan Drouin, he has a couple of other good forwards to, to play with on the power play now, Ryan Johansson. Uh, the Penguins, of course, Carlson has... Now Crosby, Malkin, even Latang uh, could get in the way with Carlson. Um, like R- Ricard Raquel is kind of underrated. Brian Rust, um, Jake Gensel, I didn't even mention him. So they have a supporting cast there. Whereas like Roman Yossi, it's like yeah, not to knock like Luke Evangelista or Yuso Parsonen or um, a couple of these uh, Philip Forsberg or any of those guys, but they're not on the same level as Colorado. Or Pittsburgh in terms of forward depth um, or defense depth. So Roman Yossi kind of has that like hard trophy factor to it. Um, so so maybe there is that kind of edge you can make a case for. Um, the other guy that I kind of want to mention is Miro Heiskanen, um, maybe even Dougie Hamilton. Um, and yeah, I'll throw in Charlie McAvoy. That'll just be my homer pick there. As well, um, and maybe yeah, maybe uh, Evan Bouchard, Rasmus Dahlin, um, yeah, they all kind of have some case. But I feel like it's going to be Kale McCarr if he doesn't get injured. Also, would like to shout out Devon Taze, who yep. if he puts up the production that he did at the rate he was going in last year's playoffs, uh, in a contract year no less. Uh, like 70 plus points he could get some serious consideration for that as well yep. but yeah i don't expect him to win it i don't expect mccarr yossi or carlson to win it either i'm oh, wow. going to go with the scandinavian defenseman who is finnish that you mentioned in your honorable mention it's mirror of the okay. dallas stars because the Dallas Stars have a lot of sneaky good talent. Rupe Hintz in the playoffs that he had last year. They also brought in Matt Duchesne uh, to help out uh, solidify their top nine. Um, they have Jason Robertson, as we mentioned. And, you know, a couple of dark horses like Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, which I think to call them dark horses five years ago would be an insult. But today I would call them dark horse yep. uh, stars. And uh, also Mason Marchman, who people had a lot of hype on uh, heading into last year, but uh, he was rather quiet compared to that breakout season he had with Florida. If he gets going uh, again, uh, that could be a fun team to watch as well. Plus, you have the youngsters like Wyatt Johnston that we saw break out, also Mm -hmm. Ty Delandry in the mix. Um, 
maybe if we get some appearances, you know, in the future from guys like Logan Stanko, and I keep mentioning him because he's very good, um, this this team is going to be a hell of a fun team to watch. And still on the back end, they're pretty loaded. And I think Heiskinen uh, is the guy that's leading the charge. He's getting all the top assignments, even in defensive situations. And uh, he was praised in the early stages of the playoffs uh, for the past couple of years for how he was able to contain and shut down those top stars, which for a top pairing defenseman says a lot about his game. Uh, and as we saw last year, he could pile up points a ton as well. So I'm going to go Miro Heiskanen this time. Yeah, that's a good call too. Um, I guess uh, now that I'm looking here, we didn't even mention Adam Fox. Um yeah, that's yeah, that's that's, that's a disservice. We should at least shout yeah. him out. Shout out Adam Fox. He'll shout out Adam Fox. Shout out uh, Brent Burns. Shout out uh, Mikhail Sugarchev or Victor Hedman. Um, if Victor Hedman can figure it out, um, and maybe Aaron Ekblad, although he's going to be injured for the first half of the season, so maybe not him. But um, but yeah, there. That's you know, the other one who has some potential at least. Um, all right. Um, I'm about to sneeze, but I guess I'm not about to sneeze. Um, <laughs> we can now do the Vezina Trophy um, awards here. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of mentioned this uh, when we were talking about the Minnesota uh, Wild that uh, Philip Gustafson um, had an incredible second half, and he should have had more acclaim last year. Um, and I'll just reiterate, he had a 931 save percentage, a 2.10 GAA in a in a 39 games and like you know I guess you could say like small sample size and all that stuff but um, even like you know that's roughly 40 games and that's still pretty good so um, so I I might go with um, Philip Gustafson um, however I would imagine what's going to happen is uh, a guy a Russian goalie who plays in New York, and their last name starts with an S, and their first name starts with an I, um, are going to get it. And, of course, I'm talking about Ilya uh, Sorokin and, or um, Igor Shosturkin, um, both of the New York teams, um, are going to get it. It's so but, funny how similar they are. Yeah, and they were also both in the same draft year, too. Um, they, I think they were drafted in the same round as well. Oh, were they? That that's funny too. Yeah, yeah. in the same round of the same draft. I'll well, double check, but yeah, yeah. Keep, keep talking about how good Sorokin is. Well, yeah, Sorokin. Um, I mean, he kind of like you know there was like I I just remember when um last year when we were when the Bruins were kind of um they were definitely in the playoffs and they were just wondering like oh who do we want to face off against and I was just thinking like. Well, I don't want to face off against Florida, but I also don't want to face off against the Islanders because the Islanders have a hot goaltender, and the hot goaltender is going to um, definitely ruin the cup run, and little did I know it was the Florida Panthers was the team I didn't want to play against. But, uh, yeah, Ilya Sorokin, he um, played uh, 62 games, which is kind of a rarity now in the NHL because not a lot of goalies play a lot like even 60 games um usually and it's kind of a rarity that there's only a couple of goaltenders who do that we're about to talk about one who did that um in Vasilevsky but 
Um, but it seems kind of like a rarity there. But even with 62 games, he um, he had a 9.24 save percentage and a 2.34 GAA. Um, so, um, and it's not like uh, you know, like the Rangers don't like they have a pretty good forward group, and you know, not to knock Bo Horvat or um, Matthew Barthol or Brock Nelson or even like Anders Lee or Kyle Palmieri, but that's not the same level as the Rangers have in terms of depth. Um, and uh, so Sororkin kind of has to do more than Shashurkin does. Um, and that's not even to knock Shashurkin um, either. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's that. And those are the two front runners. Um, you can make a case for either one. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with Philip Gustafson because I've just been on his train now, um, even though I imagine um, it's, it's very possible that it could <laughs> I'll be off the train in a few months. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Philip Gustafson, even though I'm aware it might not happen. just wanted to give a little bit of an insight on uh, Sorokin and Shishjurkin. Uh, so Mason McDonald was the first goalie drafted in their draft year, and Thatcher Demko was the second. Nadelkovic mm-hmm. went right after. Vanacek went a few picks later. Uh, um, taking a look, uh, Brandon Halverson, probably a guy you never heard of, was also taken there. Jonas Johansson was the first pick of round three, oh, which wow. is kind of hard to believe when you consider yeah. hindsight. Elvis Mislikens was a few picks before Sorokin. Uh, and then uh, we get down the line. It was the next round where Shashirkin was taken. The goalie's taken ahead of him. Billy Huso, Linus Sonderstrom, a guy I've also never heard of. Capo um, Kakinen, who you've definitely heard of. Uh, Zach Nagelbert, never heard of him either. And Brett Morin, who you've also probably never heard of. Nope. Uh, and then a pick, before, a pick after Michael Bunting, uh, Igor Shashirkin, was uh, taken by uh, the New York Rangers in the uh, late stages of uh, round four. So kind of similar, but also not. Uh, he was taken one round uh, uh, after Sorokin. But yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not taking either of those guys. I'm not taking Sorokin or Shashirkin or Philip Gustafson. I'm going to take uh, the guy that was basically the reason why Nashville had a chance to do anything uh, yeah. last year, and that's UC Saros. Um and I think he, in order for Nashville to do anything, the same has to apply because they, they've definitely done a lot in the offseason to kind of improve their team. Um, they definitely thought outside the box in doing that. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know how much offense he's got left in the tank, but in terms of leadership, he provides a lot. Um, and the way that uh, they've kind of changed their coaching style a little bit, it'll be interesting to see how the offense operates around that. Um but also when you look at their defense, I mean, they were they were doing their best to kind of hold the fort, but for the most part, it was the UC Saros show in the final uh, 15 to 20 games of the regular season last year, and uh, they had a chance to just sneak in through the back door, and if you give them a couple more games, they might have just done it. But, um, yeah, uh, this is a guy that can probably face 2,000 shots in a season, which in an era where you're barely seeing any goalies to, uh, surpass 65 games is insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's probably going to get a similar workload like that this year, but I feel like he's a goaltender that can just shut out the whole world when he's playing at his best. 
And uh, you're going to see more of it from Saros, and uh, he's going to be rewarded handsomely with a Vesna win. Yeah, that's a good choice, too. Um, I thought you were actually going to go with Jay Godinger um, of Dallas, but... Yeah, I thought um, about it, too, but yeah. I think uh, Dallas is going to regress slightly, and also Saros is going to yeah. be leaned on uh, a lot more. Although, mind you, Dallas's backup is Scott Wedgwood, so yep. Edinger could see at least 60 games. Yeah, uh, that would have probably been my pick if I wasn't going with Philip yeah. Houston. There are a lot of good yeah. picks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. And I think another... We Gar- didn't even talk about Hellebuck once. Yeah, well. Hellebuck's a good one, yeah. Uh, the other one that I think we could... I could see, maybe, um, if he has a bounce-back season, is uh, Jacob Markstrom of Calgary. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. that, that's definitely possible there. Um, or or uh, Frederick Anderson in another bounce-back kind of season as well. Um, okay. Um... And then uh, now we get to like these. Now it's like it's like I see like oh the sulky, and now I get sad because I'm like oh well I can't pick Bergeron anymore. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I, I I guess it's like it's usually like because in years past it was like they just give it to if it wasn't Bergeron and they were bored of giving it to Bergeron they would give it to Barkov because he was a good defensive yeah. player. Um, or two-way player. Uh, same with Couturier. Um, they could give it to... Um, or they uh, they gave it to... Uh, I think they gave it to another player that I'm blanking as well. But, um, yeah, so... Mark oh, Stone Kopitar. had nominations. Yeah, Mark Stone had a Kopitar, nomination. Kopitar, yeah, you would be Kopitar good. was Couturier the one I was Couturier as well would Couturier. be in the conversation if he plays at yeah. all. But. Um, yeah, I... You know, it's it's kind of also kind of hard to gauge because I feel like the Selkie is one of those things where it's usually a center and it's like not that like yeah. faceoffs aren't as important or like back checking aren't as important and penalty killing isn't as important. It's just something that it's not sexy really, and it's not something <laughs> you really pay attention to even for like us who watch hockey every single day. Um, so. Um, so it's kind of like hard to really judge on on that front. Um, I do wonder though, maybe this is the year that a winger gets the Selkie because usually it is like based off of your face-off percentage and things like that. But you could also get it because like Mitch Marner, he was nominated last year. Um, he could get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Stone, as you alluded to, he he was nominated at the very least one year. Um, so yeah. I might go with Mitch Marner. The other option that I'm thinking might uh, take that next step um, is Nico Heischer of the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Um, he's um, it seems like he has pretty good faceoff numbers. He's on their penalty kill. He he does all this stuff. I um, mean, he's very good in when you watch him um, play. And I think he was he was nominated last year with Marner. He was nominated Bergeron last year nominated. too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, and yeah, he had 80 points in 81 games. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So, um, so yeah, he's uh, he he probably is the front runner. I imagine um, it's probably either him or Barkov. I feel like, um, but yeah, I, I I guess I'm just gonna go with. Do I want to go with Marner? Um, no, I'll go with Heischer. I'll I'll go with Heischer. <laughs> last second, I'm gonna go with Heischer. Um, not last second, I'm going Barkov. Uh, just okay. because of the injuries to Florida's blue line, Montour and Ekblad uh, are both out to start the year. Fortunately, Matthew Kachuk is back on the ice, which, <laughs> given how 
his playoffs ended last year is kind of remarkable in itself that he's mm-hmm. back so soon. Um, but I think Barkov's going to be leaned heavily on offense uh, to deliver because I feel like last year, in the midst of Matthew Kachuk's reign in the playoffs, yep. Barkov was was quiet, and in the previous playoffs, he was also kind of quiet as Florida kind of um, was underwhelming in terms of delivering on expectations, but. Uh, he's still a good regular season producer, and I think he's going to be, uh, in terms of his offense, a lot more vocal this year. And um, I'm not going to say he gets like 100 points, but I think like 90, 100 point territory is where he's going to fall in. And uh, he's still going to be that defensive beast that we all know he can be. So I'm going to go Barkov. But if uh, Stone plays a healthy season and Mitch Marner's Mitch Marner, um, they'll definitely be in the conversation as well. Yeah. And yeah. also Heischer. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I can't really blame you. I guess Barkov is probably the probably the front runner compared to Heischer. Yeah, pro- probably the yeah. next Bergeron to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Like a guy who's gonna win it multiple times. Like yeah. maybe not as dominant as Bergeron, but um, you know, you'll probably see him over the course of yeah. the prime of his career. He's probably gonna have consecutive years where he wins the Selkie. Yeah, and you didn't mention this, um, too, but um it really depends on how healthy Sean Couturier is, but uh, he mm-hmm. might be a front runner as well. Of um, in terms of like, if he can stay healthy um, and and stay back to what he was a few years ago, then yeah, you could you could kind of be. I definitely think if Couturier plays like um, in the fashion that you say he could play, yeah. um, he's going to be a lock for the Bill Masterton. Yep. Like, yep. The All those years spent away recovering from injury, and he comes back and returns to form. Yeah, it's, like instantly puts himself in the favor for that combo too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good point too. It's like he may not win the Selkie, but he'll probably win the Masterton. Um, yeah, I feel like we're missing for the Masterton, even though this isn't on our sheet here. I feel like there is an obvious one, but um, but I can't think of one right now. But yeah, Couturier, I guess, would be the obvious one if he can play like. Mm-hmm at least, like, 65 games. Um, all right, uh, now we go to the Jack Adams, um, where this this one always, it never actually goes to the best coach, because if that was the case, then John Cooper would probably win every year. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, what's crazy is, like, Bruce Cassidy should have won last year, um, because, especially with how he dealt with the goaltending situation, and they still won their division. Yeah. But, uh, but of course, Cassidy ended up winning the Stanley Cup, and his former team, Jim Montgomery, ended up winning the Jack Adams that year. Um, so it's like it is. It's always a new coach. It's always a team that you don't expect to do much, um, and then and then they do. Um, which is why I'm going to go with, uh, this is, actually, this might be kind of crazy now that I'm thinking of saying this out loud, but I, I, okay, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to go with Pascal Vincent of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um. Really? Wow. Um, (laughs) I know, I'm crazy here. Um, because it's, because I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are a, a decent team, and they all know this guy. Um, and yes, it is a strange circumstance because he just got hired like, like in the middle of training camp, um, and and there's stuff 
to get used to and stuff like that, but, um, but there is something to say, it's like, you know, it's not like Vincent is just, like, pulled from, um, like, he was, like, grabbed out of nowhere or something, it's just like, oh, yeah, just give it to this guy, he's been on their, their organization for a long, long time, and I'm thinking of, like, teams that might surprise people, it's like, oh, yeah, it could be the Columbus Blue Jackets, because if you think of it, last year, like, pretty much half their roster got injured, and if you assume that these guys, like, Wierenski can stay healthy, Line can stay healthy, and Goudreau can stay healthy, um, who knows with Fantilli, um, your Boone Jenner, um, you know, like, like, pretty much the entire defensive core, um, who knows with them, and they kind of, like, made some sneaky kind of moves, they got, um, what's-his-face, um, and what's-his-face, Damon Severson, and, um, Ivan Provorov, so it's like, oh, okay, maybe there is something there, um, so Kent Johnson, uh, could make some noise, uh, who knows with Cole Sillinger, but, um, he could do something, so it's like, you know, I, Alex Tessier is coming back, supposedly, so, mm-hmm. um, and I'm seeing here on the first line, it's Gaudreau, Lining, and Marchenko. Um, so maybe maybe get him on your lineups if that sticks. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, this, this team could be a good team. Um, and, um, and it's just that, okay, if Vincent, the only thing I really know about Vincent is that he was the assistant coach last year. And, he's, and that just means that he's been with the team for a while. He's not like a stranger to a lot of these players. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I think there is potential there. And I'm trying to think of like any other new coach that could that is a front runner here, and I'm not even really sure who is the front runner. I guess uh, worth a gamble. I think yeah. if Columbus is like five points out of a playoff spot, I yeah. think that's enough for him to win it. Or like, I don't see but Columbus like if they make the playoffs, I feel like you have to give it to him. <laughs> That'll be a long shot. Um, but I, if, I mean, given the fact that um, you know they still have a lot of flaws, yeah. and they hired a head coach and then parted ways with the head coach. Before training yeah. camp even started, oh, no, 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 no. and they're throwing this guy like right into the fire. I mean, yeah, for to be five points up a playoff spot, I would call that an accomplishment. Oh like, yeah, yeah, no, I would, I would as well. Oh yeah, of course. I, I just, I'm just saying that like, it's, it's also like, it's not like this guy is a stranger though. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Um, this guy who I'm going to take is also not a stranger, and uh, his team was one point back of a playoff spot last year. And uh, I've said on the podcast before, I expect big things from Buffalo this year. And uh, Don Granado is uh, uh, going to make a lot of people know his name. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, just the way he's been able to bring everyone together, and I feel like the te- this team that he's assembled is a team that loves and respects him and wants to play for him and wants to do real well for the city of Buffalo. And I feel like he's kind of changed the culture a lot over the past couple of years. I expect that to continue, and uh, he's going to be rewarded with, uh, uh, honestly, an award curse for coaches. So maybe I hope he doesn't win, but I think he will win. Yeah. No, no, that's a good choice. Um, 
Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that one. Because I, I guess I'm just thinking of, like, new coaches, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe of the new coach replacements. Yeah, I guess uh, Pascal Vincent of the Columbus has the best chance. Um, I guess maybe Peter Laviolette in the Rangers, because, but... At the same time, everyone's expecting the Rangers to make the playoffs, so it's not like... Um, Andrew Burnett in Nashville, if Nashville oh, yeah. uh, has a return to form as well. Could be yeah, good. that's actually the most obvious one. Yeah, that's a good one. I like your pick. It's bold. I like it. All right, thank you. Um, and now we go to the Calder. Uh, we've been kind of like a behind... Should, should, we, say, should we say it together? Because I feel like we have the same guy. Yeah, uh, Connor Bedard. <laughs> Yeah, Connor Bernard. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but a little behind baseball here. Um, we um, when Logan Cooley signed um, there, I was I was going to I emailed Steve just being like, "All right, this is making me think that like there's a ton of rookies that are going to happen here in the NHL um, this season. It's mm-hmm. like not just Connor Bedard and not just Logan Cooley." But you have Devin Levi in Buffalo. You have um, maybe potentially Dustin Wolf in Calgary. Luke Hughes in New Jersey. Looks like Leo Carlson's going to play, although he just got injured. So who knows what the deal is there? Uh, Adam Fantilli in Columbus. We just talked about Connor Bedard. Um, like even still in Calgary, there was um, um, Dustin Wolf, um, Matty Coronado, Jacob Peltier. Um, you know, you could just uh, run down the entire, every team has at least, like, one rookie to get excited about, I, I think, <laughs> at the very least. But when we were talking, like, during our team previews, we were, like, we were hyping up Dil- uh, Brant Clark. We were hyping up, um, uh, let's see, like, um, <laughs> Connor Bedard. We were hyping up all these rookies that we were excited about, Luke Hughes. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I guess there there was, like, a few players. I think we are all sure that it's Connor Bedard is going to win the Calder Trophy. Um, I will say the other two spots in that Calder nominations is going to be very, very interesting. Um, Devin Levi, I think, has the best chance. Because, as you were just alluding to, Don Granado is probably going to win the Jack Adams. Um, Rasmus Dahlin has a nice shot at the Norris Trophy. Buffalo's already a pretty good team. The only thing they really need to worry about is their goaltending. And Buffalo is relying on Devin Levi uh, to be their starting goaltender this year. And he's a rookie. Um, And he's 21 years old. Um, And he, he was decent um, in his uh, last season with uh, in seven games. Um, he had a 9.05 save percentage and a 2.94 GAA, and he went 5-2. and two. Um, However, that was just like, he didn't have, he didn't go to the AHL, he didn't really know the team that well. He was just pretty much like, as soon as his North season, Eastern season um, in college was over, he just went to Buffalo to see if the, the Buffalo could make the playoffs um, with him. And, you know, like, those stats that I'm just mentioning, it's like, yeah, it's a low sample size. Um, and they aren't necessarily great now that I listed them out. But he also went 5-2. and two. Um, So 
he has a, a good shot there. Uh, Logan Cooley, I think, is the other one that's probably going to be um, a Calder favorite um, there. Um, and Luke Hughes, I think I could see that as well. If But it's going to be kind of hard because he might be blocked with Dougie Hamilton in the mix. I don't know if I could see Luke Hughes being on the power play one and that's and as a defenseman that's that's kind of a big deal um because you're you know if unless Dougie Hamilton gets injured which I guess is definitely possible um it's like oh well Luke Hughes um I I feel like Luke Hughes will eventually be on that power play but um but not at this moment Brent Clark is a good choice as well um, there's a few others that I'll get into, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak because I feel like I'm missing a couple of other rookies. Yeah, so uh, obviously the name Connor Bedard rings a bell. Yep. I mean, he got like 40 to 45, uh, no, 40 to 45 goals and like 90 plus points. Like even if you get like 100 points, that's an exceptional rookie year. Yep. Um, especially when you consider the Hawks are a young <coughs> and more fun team to watch, but they're still not going to be good mm. um, outside of their top six. There's a, a lot of question marks on their forward group. Uh, so Bedard's going to have to carry that offense for time. Um, and I think based on what we've seen in the preseason, the rookie showcase, um, it's going to be fun to watch him develop and grow. Um, you mentioned Luke Hughes. Um, I definitely think... In terms of his status on the depth chart, um, if he has like a 35 to 40 point campaign, that would be impressive for him. Uh, but like you said, if there's an entry to Dougie Hamilton, they thrust him into that offensive role and he excels. Like, man, he could be top five vote getter. Logan Cooley, I'm really interested to see what he does. Uh, spoiler alert, I took a uh, my only fantasy draft. Um, I took both Luke Hughes. Uh, in the middle rounds, and Logan Cooley with my last pick. Yeah. Because I felt that Logan Cooley, while he is on a fun but bad Arizona Mm. team, I think based on what I've seen in the preseason as well, he's a guy that can, you know, have like 50, 60, 70 points somewhere in that threshold and really change the outlook of this offense in one year. Um, So I have uh, really good vibes about Logan this year. Shane Wright, I'm interested to see how uh, Seattle's going to utilize him if he's mostly an AHLer to start. Um, So I don't know where he fits in that. uh, It looks like they moved uh, Wright down, uh, or they sent him down to uh, Coachella Valley. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yep. Uh, He's been given clearance to play in the AHL this year, so they don't have any problems. But he is a good choice if he can play, like, even like 60 games, but yeah, yeah. that'll probably be a process that plays out. And I don't think he's really going to get too many votes this year. Um, In fact, I don't even, I I'm going to say now, I don't think Shane Wright's going to play enough games to classify as a rookie. So his rookie season official might be kicked down the road. So uh, I think Seattle's going to play cautious and safe with him. One guy that I think is going to be used in a lot of situations is Matthew Nyes in Toronto. Oh yeah, And he's also a guy that I picked on my team just because you look at um, the Leafs left wing slots and Mm -hmm. they're occupied by Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi and Matthew Nyes. Um, Max Domi definitely has top six potential. Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, after he played uh, a lot of competitive hockey with the Bruins last year, and you know, even in previous seasons with Detroit, went healthy. 
Uh, he's shown he can be a valuable top six addition. But Sheldon Keefe is a guy that likes to experiment a lot. He's not afraid to experiment mm. either. And I think Matthew Nice, after his playoffs last year, is definitely going to get uh, the opportunity to be uh, a top-line guy or uh, a second-line left winger or perhaps more regularly on the third line. But um, he's going to be a guy that's uh, slotted all over the place as the season goes along, so I'm interested to see how his uh, development is impacted there. Brand Clark's development is also something to watch. Same with Adam Vintilli. Uh Devin Levi was actually drafted in the early rounds of my mm-hmm. fantasy draft, so uh, there are quite a few people who have high hopes for him. The thing is, comparatively speaking to a guy like Ryan Miller, for example, Ryan Miller had to cut his teeth in the AHL for a little bit before he was NHL ready and he was ready to take the reins. For a guy to have so little AHL experience and really make it big in the NHL, that's a rarity in itself. So Devin Levi, for him to make a meaningful uh, impact uh, to even greater lengths than he did last year is is a tough call. But, um, you know, if he does it, like, man, great great for him. we mentioned Nashville a couple times. Luke Evangelista, I'm interested to see uh, what his development's like. We also mentioned uh, the Devils Blue line. Uh, just to wrap up quickly, one guy that I'm looking at is Simon Nemich and uh, what uh, the Devils do with his development. Because the Devils have a lot of talented blue liners on their team. And while I definitely think the upside on Nemich is high, I also don't think they have any urgency to really rush him into the lineup either. Does, uh, I feel like um, Evangelista doesn't qualify but um but maybe oh, I'm wrong. i thought he was i thought he was on the list of guys that you provide i could be wrong but oh, okay yeah, yeah if, if available wrong. i think evangelist is in that conversation yeah um also jordan spence on la um that that's yeah. also possible although yeah, they're high course, on him too yeah yeah uh of course you have brand clark there too and that was a big reason why they even traded sean jersey to arizona was to make room for one of those two players um i will say um that there is a potential because there there were three players that had an amazing preseason, um, and it could it's very possible that these three guys just get nine games and then they go to the AHL and and then or the OHL in one of these cases. Um, but I do want to mention them because they because it could just lead to something greater. Um, and they all happen to be in the Atlantic Division. I think you know where one of these players are going, and I'll save him for the last because I'm really excited about him. Um, but one is Zach Benson um, of the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, he was he was actually just drafted in the 11th overall pick for the Buffalo Sabers, and a lot of play a lot of uh, a lot of like it was kind of surprising because all the mock drafts I was seeing had him fifth like right after Will Smith um and uh yeah he slipped all the way to 11th for Buffalo and Buffalo has an incredible list of uh prospects like they have Rasmus Dahlin they have Cousins um they have um even like Yuri Kulik who um who could make some noise this year too um Kulik um but um and then of course they have like Tate Thompson and um and Alex Tuck and all those guys, but um, but yeah, they they pretty soon they're gonna have a, a Owen Power. Um, I forgot to mention. Um, so they pretty soon they're gonna have like a lot of 
decent prospects um, that they drafted already, and Zach Benson is one of them. I imagine there he's going to get nine games and and then be sent down to the AHL, but at the same I, time, I think it would be the WHL. Actually, oh, the WHL. He's eighteen right now. Oh, is he eighteen? Okay. Uh, so I think he would he would be too young to be playing AHL okay. hockey. That and that was the debate with Shane Wright last yeah. year. The other thing with Zach Benson, and I think that was a reason why he even... Oh, the 13th overall, not 11th, which is even crazier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that um, is that the reason why he slipped was because he was like 5'10", um, and usually like shorter players, even though like there are a decent amount of short players um, who can play now in the league, it's like... It seems like there is still that bias against short players when you draft them, um, so that was a big reason why he was there. But like that, that also kind of tends to feel like you can, um, you you might not be able to develop um, in time, um, or you you know it takes you a while longer to develop if you're shorter. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, so. It's very. I I imagine that's what's gonna happen. Is he plays these nine games and then, and then he just gets sent to either the WHL or as you're saying, he's just gonna go to the WHL um, if he can't yeah. stay. Um, so so yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. But at the same time, if if he was incredible in the preseason, maybe it starts to replicate and maybe he uh, he kind of takes off um, in Buffalo. Uh, the other one I'm going to talk about before I talk about my homer pick um, is Mackie Samuskevich of uh, the Florida Panthers. Um, he was a, uh, a tw- he was drafted in 2021 as the 24th pick. Um, he was incredible in uh, the University of Michigan. He also had a great preseason. I'm looking here on their depth chart. They have uh, Samuskevich as the second line left winger. Um, and he's playing on the same line as Matthew Kachuk. Um, again, this is another one, just like Benson. I kind of think that he's going to get nine games, and then he'll probably be sent... Uh, yeah, he can't go back to college. Um, he'll be sent to the AHL, and um, and then I'll... Um, and, then, and then, you know, he'll probably play uh, next year, um, and, and we'll see that. But um, but yeah, it's um, but that's another guy to look out for as well because you know it's it's also possible that the, this um, his hot streak in the preseason just continues um, into the regular season as well. And then the last one that I think you know who I'm going with right now is Matthew yep. Poitras. Poitras. I yep. have to like get used because I I've, I've just been so used to saying his writing down his name that I haven't now, actually now said his how name. how it would sound in a Boston accent is what really intrigues me. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, no, that, that is a good point. I don't know. I guess it's, um, I'm trying to pull up his uh, Elite Prospects uh, page at the moment, so uh, given sometimes. But yeah, I guess it's, so it's P-O-I-T-R-A-S. Um, I got the wrong guy here. Um, on on elite prospects, um, Matthew. Let me just look up Poitras. Um, yeah, 
But anyways. I, I have his page right here. He played for the OHL's Guelph Storm. He's uh, yeah. played uh, two seasons with them. He had uh, 50 points in 68 games as a rookie, 95 points in 63 games last year. What's interesting is he's more of an assist guy. Yep. He had uh, 21 goals, 29 assists as an OHL rookie. But uh, last year, 16 goals, 79 assists. So yep. near the top of the OHL's leaderboard. Right, right. Numbers. So... Uh, in 2022, 23. So, I'm going to preface this because we've been doing this for eight years, believe it or not. Um, mm. And yeah. I've gone on this p- podcast and I've told you, hey, Steve, watch out for this guy named Anders Bjork. And yeah. Anders Bjork does <laughs> nothing. And that wasn't even the, <laughs> the only time I've done this. I, like, the following year or maybe two years, I go, Watch out for this guy named Jack Stanicka. And and then yeah. Jack Stanicka does nothing. And I'm now cautious as I'm joking. I'm half joking here. Um, I'm like, alright, maybe, maybe I should just not get that excited about it. But, I will say, the more I'm excited, like, the more I read about this guy, the more I watch him play in the preseason, preseason is preseason. You can't get too excited about that. But what's crazy is the t- the last two games, like, yeah, as you just alluded to, like, he doesn't seem to be a goal scorer. And that, like, you know, which is fine. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> like, Ryan Getzlaff did not score a lot of goals um, in his NHL career, but he had a fantastic NHL career. You would take that any day of the year um, if you could get the next Ryan Getzlaff type of player. Um, so it's fine if he doesn't score goals. But what was interesting is the last two preseason games, <clears throat> they uh, Matthew, Matthew Poitras got the game-winning goal for the Boston Bruins. Um, the fact that um, uh, Captain Noseface, um, Mar- Marchand, <laughs> he compared Matthew Poitras to Mitchell Marner. Um, which, uh, yeah, Mitchell Marner does also, he does the assists, and, but he also scores goals. Uh, so I take that. Um, and it, especially coming from Brad Marchand, because, like, Marchand didn't say that about Anders Bjork. He didn't say that about Jackson Nicka. And even more so, I was, I was emailing you, uh, about this, uh, since, like, um, since I think it was like since 2005, there have been four players who had 79 assists or more in the OHL um, in one season. Um, one of them is Mitchell Marner. Uh, another is Marco Rossi. And then um, I forget who the third guy is. But uh, the fourth guy is Matthew Poitras. And so if you're in the same company as Mitchell Marner, then, okay, I'm going to take that. Um and also not to mention the fact that, like, starting the year, Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle are going to be the centers, the top two centers for the Boston Bruins. Um, Matthew Poitras, like, I had kind of high hopes for Trent Frederick, but I think Matthew Poitras might be the guy. Um, he's also, the other thing that he might have in common with Patrice Bergeron and... David Krejci, and I'm not saying he's going to be the next Bergeron or the next Krejci, because that's not going to happen. But he was also a second-round pick, um, and Bergeron and Krejci were also second-round picks. Um, and um, 
Yeah, so it's like, I, you know, again, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm definitely wearing Homer glasses here. Um, and he's going to start off on the third line. And we'll, and what's probably likely going to happen, he's going to play the nine games. And then he's going to go off and, um, and play in the AHL or whatever. But, uh, but the fact that this guy is 19 years old, as you alluded to, he had 79 assists. Uh, for in in the OHL, it's like, oh, this is like a guy that we actually should be excited for as, if you're a Bruins fan, um, and um, so it's like it's it's just like amazing. It's like, oh, we might actually have a good player. This isn't like a Mac Jones replacing Tom Brady situation. This is like a guy who could um, actually do well, um, and he's he's proven that he's he's done well. Um, although I guess Mac Jones did win. In Alabama, but anyways, I'm just saying. This is I, I after the Patriots lost. It looks like the Red Sox are also in shambles. I just need something, some hope here, and all my hope is geared towards this Matthew Poitras guy. Um, and um, yeah, so so basically, I I don't think he's going to get the Calder Trophy, but there is an opportunity for him. Um. To, to be nominated if because it's like the Bruins are desperate for centers um, especially with Mark Shifley who just got signed a uh, seven year deal for the Winnipeg um, it seems like the Bruins can't even trade for a top line center anymore um, or we're going to have to find someone else but um, but yeah he'd rather we, stay with the Jets than join the Bruins what a shame basically yeah so um, so in that sense, it's like, all right, fine. I'll let's get excited for Matthew Poitras because I'm not going to get, we're not going to get, um, Mark Shifley, whatever. Fine. But maybe, maybe we're the, the Green Bay Packers of, um, of the NHL where it's like, how do we do it? We get all these centers, um, uh, whenever we need them, just like the Packers somehow always get a good quarterback. Um, every year for the last 30 years um, so so yeah there, there's that but um, but yeah I'm, I'm excited about him I'm not saying he's going to be Connor Bedard but I'm also not not saying that um, so anyways uh, yeah I, I think just to mention I think we're both going with Connor Bedard um, my yeah. other two I guess will be Devin Levi and um, yeah I guess Logan Cooley, um, who are your Yeah. Three? I'm going to go with Luke Hughes and Logan Cooley, okay. but I do think uh, Levi is going to have an exceptional year yeah. uh, with the Sabres. Okay, I interesting. Think, I, I just think Cooley is going to be such a game-breaker in the Coyotes, yeah. and, um, and uh, Luke Hughes is going to really bolster the Devils' defense, which yeah. is already pretty freaking good. I feel like if the Sabres make the playoffs, and it sounds like you do, based yeah. off of your Jack Adams pick, and Devin yeah. Levi's the starter, like, he's a lock for the for a nomination, at the very least. Yeah. So... 100%. Um, so that's kind of why I'm going with him. But yeah, Luke Hughes is not a bad pick, and I did mention him too. Um, Alright. Um, I, I think that's it in terms of guys that we mentioned and we were because we were planning on a whole entire episode on this but um, but yeah we didn't do it that way um, alright uh, now in terms of teams to watch 
Um, and then players to watch, and then we'll do our Stanley Cup finals picks, and then we'll do rapid fire here. Um, we do do our teams to watch every year. I think last year I had the New Jersey Devils was the team to watch, and um, and I was right. Uh, they were a fun team to watch. You had a team to watch, which was the Philadelphia Flyers, which they were fun to watch, but for the opposite reason, because they were a tire fire. Um, well, so so kind of sort of right. Uh, two years ago, the oh, Flyers and my team to watch. Oh. Last year was Detroit, uh, okay. who was definitely interesting to watch, but uh, they also weren't a playoff team. All right, all right. The Flyers, my logic was yeah. they're either going to be very good or they're going to crash and burn and we're yeah. all going to talk about it, and the latter happened. So. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of how I picked the teams because uh, I was thinking like, oh yeah, because De- I knew the Devils had a bunch of injuries the previous year. I was thinking like it could be a similar type of situation where they're they're a tire fire there. But then I was also like, well, Jack Hughes is good and Doug Hamilton's good and Nico Easter's good. Um, guess for Brad. So um, so that was my thinking there, and I'm going to go with. The Pittsburgh Penguins as my team to watch. I think this isn't surprising if you've heard me talk about the Penguins over the summer that this is the team to watch, in my opinion. And it's kind of uh, brought up a debate amongst me and you um, on if this is actually going to be a good team or not. And that's kind of why I'm interested in it. Because, yeah, Eric Carlson, I'm curious just to see how Eric Carlson will fit in with Crosby and Malkin. And not just because of that, too. It's also, like, Chris Letang. Um, how is he going to mesh with uh, Eric Carlson? I believe Letang has said that, like, he's he's re- willing to let Carlson be the guy um, in Pittsburgh, and he's just going to take a, a back seat and just be the second guy in hand if needed. Um but the other thing to think about is, like, Chris Letang gets injured. Eric Carlson gets injured. Sidney Crosby gets injured. Jake Gensel is already injured. Malkin gets injured, too. So it, it's very likely that one of those guys that I just mentioned won't play a full 82 games. Um, but um, but if, if they're all healthy, relatively speaking, this could be a fun team to watch. And, um, yeah, I think, I think they're going to... They're going to do some damage here. Um, and, yeah, I know that people aren't, like, Eric Carlson won't be, like, um, an 100-point player like he was last year. Um, but at the same time, he's playing with the best, one of the best players um, in the entire world that we've ever seen in Sidney Crosby. And, um, and, and that, that, that can only help. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see Pittsburgh here. And then I think we alluded to the fact that the only thing that might hurt them is how good will Tristan Jari be, um, and um, and like that's kind of where it aligns here. It's like yeah, we assume that their offense and now their defense is going to be pretty good, but if Tristan Jari turns out to not be good, then it's going to be like it's going to be chaos. And um, so and that's why they're my team to watch is like. Even if this is uh, this is a disaster, and Steve was right, um, it will be a fun team to watch. 
It should be noted, by the way, that uh, Pittsburgh's first game is against Connor Bedard and the yep. Chicago Blackhawks, which uh, triggers painful Tonight. flashbacks for them because Chicago arguably kept them out of last year's playoffs, and yep. now they come back with Connor Bedard. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, great. Well, uh, we, let's just point. keep him to one goal and one assist, and yeah. we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, a good point. But, but yeah, th- th- it's quite the tough test, uh, even though they'll probably yep. score five goals on Chicago's defense. Yeah. Um, in terms of my team to watch, um, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast before. We've talked about him at nauseum on this episode in particular. And you know what? I love the Buffalo Sabres so much, I'm talking about him again. Uh-huh. Um, Buffalo, I again, I have high hopes on them. Jeff Skinner uh, revitalizing his career the past two years. He had 35 goals, 82 points last year. Tage Thompson with an electric start finish with 47 goals and 94 points in just 78 games. Alex Tuck had a career season with 79 points, also 36 goals. Uh, Dylan Cousins had a 30-goal campaign. He finished with 31. Victor Olsson narrowly missed out, even though he only had 12 assists, but he still got 28 goals. Uh, and then you have, you know, like you said, Zach Benson, uh, Peyton Krebs, yeah. uh, Casey Middlestad, who had 59 points last year. A lot of people forget how good he was. Yeah. J.J. Paterka, who had 32 points in 77 games. Um, Jack Quinn is missing the start of the year, but uh, he had 34 points and 14 goals last year. Uh, and when he comes back, I expect him to uh, continue uh, playing uh, to his strengths as well. And. They have a lot of other uh, promising prospects in in the system that maybe could uh, take a step forward as well. Uh, Their defense is also interesting because they have, we mentioned Owen Power and Rasmus Sandin, who just got paid. But they also have Matias Samuelson, who made a lot of headwaves as, you know, a future shutdown defender that uh, can play big minutes. He was a plus 14 for, for them this year. And in 55 games, that definitely can't be underestimated because, you know, Buffalo uh, has trouble still keeping the puck out of the net. Uh, that brings us to, you know, depth defensemen like Henry Yoki Haru and how good Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton can be on that third pairing. And then the goaltending, um, there's a lot of question marks, uh, not just in terms of the eye test, but also the salary. Um, Devin Levi is on an entry-level contract, so his cap hits 925000 Uh Uko Pekka who is listed as a scratch on cap friendly right now, played in 33 games. His contract is 837000 a year, which is less than Levi's. And the most expensive goalie contract they have is Eric Comrie at a whopping $1.8 million, and he played yeah. 19 games last year. Uh, in terms of their records, Devin Levi went 5-2, and two, uh, Eric Comrie went 9-9, nine and nine, uh, and this is just pure win-loss record. Uh, it doesn't count overtime or shooter losses on cap friendly. Uh, and Uka Pekalukinen went 17-11 last year. And uh, his goals against average was 3.61, although his save percentage was uh, slightly better, 891. Um, it, this is a boomer bust team in terms of goal prevention and goal uh, creation because they were a top five offense. But I think they have made some changes to improve their defense. Like I said, the culture has improved since Don Granado took over, and I think uh, what we saw last year is a sign of things to come. And again, last year, one point, that's all they needed to make the playoffs. And I think um, 
they were like neck and neck with the Penguins down the stretch as well. So I think when I look at the Sabres and I look at their roster and I see playoff hockey, um, I think they are definitely going to be a team on a lot of people's radar, especially when you look at the cap crunches in Tampa Bay and Florida and the big injuries they've been dealing with, uh, what Boston's been up to this offseason, what Toronto and Ottawa have been up to this offseason. Not sure what Detroit's going to be. Montreal's still fun but bad. Um, how Buffalo does this season is definitely going to impact who makes and doesn't make the playoffs. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be scoreboard watching into every yeah. Sabres game from the start of October to the uh, end of the regular season in early April. So uh, for those uh, lutiny reasons, I'm picking the Sabres. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, yeah, they should be fun to watch even if they're not as good. And like a t- I will say like a team that's in this division, in, in the Bruins division, I'm like, oh, like, this is actually a fun team to watch. It's not like... Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't really hate a ton of teams in our division, but it, like, like I wouldn't mind if the Sabres. Other than Montreal. Other than Montreal, you don't yeah. Like Montreal, I um, but um, but yeah, you like, but I'm like, yeah, if the I kind of am rooting for the Sabres to make the playoffs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I feel it's kind been, of conflicted. What, 12, 13 years yeah. since they last made a run. Yeah, something like that, and it's like I feel conflicted because it's like. But like that'll probably mean the Bruins won't make the playoffs if if the Sabres yeah. make the playoffs. So I'm like, all right, I don't know. Um, Tage Thompson, though, yeah. he's American. Yeah, he's American. That's true. Um, so there, there's that. Um, when when your team is sucking, just cheer for all the good Americans in the NHL. That's basically that's, what I that's do. That's the, yeah. the key to happiness, basically. Well, that's what I'm doing with uh um for well for um for football. The Patriots stink. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I do have all my fantasy teams, and that's that's kind of what I'm rooting for now. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, in terms of players to watch, um, <clears throat> I um, I guess I'm going to go... I was thinking of... <clears throat> there was a two, two guys that I was thinking of, because uh, I'm thinking it, like similarly to like teams to watch, where it's like, this could go well, or this could also not go well, but I'm rooting for them regardless. Um, <clears throat> and there were two guys that I was thinking of. One was Jacob Verona, um, because it's like he had... I think when we were talking about the Masterson, that was the one that I was thinking, like, I could see that because he had some similar type of issue. Um, not injury-related, but it was like... There's some kind of thing that they, like, he went to, like, some substance abuse place, or I think he had some anxiety or something, um, and then the Detroit Red Wings were just like, you know what, uh, he needs a change of scenery, so they move him to St. Louis and all that stuff. But that's not who I'm going to pick. Um, it's actually going to be Jonathan Drouin, who, similarly, um, he kind of struggled in Montreal, um, and I, he actually just publicly mentioned that it's tough being a French Canadian player um, in Montreal, and um, and that was and he he admitted that that had a huge impact on his time in Montreal there. Um, but even still, like he played, uh, he had like twenty nine points in fifty eight games. He was usually injured and all that stuff, but um, but there was but at the same time, I'm seeing like oh yeah, he averaged fourteen minutes and fifty four seconds on a time on ice. Um, 
But now the good news is, like, usually change of scenery just means, like, you go to a team that's going to stink, and a team's, like, not, like they, they, like, they don't necessarily think you're going to do so well, um, but they're like, yeah, maybe. Um, but for Jonathan Duren's case, he's going to not only the Colorado Avalanche, but he's going to uh, Nathan McKinnon's team, who they played uh, together on the same team, um, the same line, um, in Halifax. And I'm looking here on their cap-friendly death chart page. Jonathan Drouin is on the top line. Um, He's playing with McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Um, And um, so, like, if you need a change of scenery, this is the change of scenery that you need to see. And on that same note, there's still going to be pressure there. It's like, yeah... There was he felt the pressure in Montreal. There was that whole situation with him in Tampa Bay as well. But um, <clears throat> there's, um, but then there's something to be said about how like like if if he's not going to work with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, um, or even like on like a bottom line a bottom pair line in Colorado, then he's probably going to be out of the league. Um, but I do have hope, and there, it looks like Jared Benar is going to give Drouin the best chance to secede here. Um, and Colorado kind of needs him um, because they don't have Ibra Landeskog um, anymore. And it's like not to knock Artari Lekkanen, but they kind of need another guy on their depth chart because Landeskog's going to, like, the absence of Landeskog is going to hurt them long term um, and short term. Um, so they kind of need uh, Jonathan Drouin to do to be really good, and um, so I'm kind of curious just to see how it works, and I um, mean that's kind of why I have it as a player to watch because there is a potential that it's not going to work out. Um, but I, I do I am very very curious to see if it will work, and it could be like a, one of the more like uplifting stories if it does work. Yeah, and I hope it does. Yep. I, I hope he bounces back for sure. Yep. Um, so in my uh, exclusive, uh, I don't know if you call it exclusive, but just really, really freaking cool interview with Ian Mendez. Uh, by the way, it's on SoundCloud. It's on yep. Spotify. If you haven't listened to it yet, please do. There's a lot of fun nuggets yep. in there about all oh, things great. about Senators. Um, so this is my way of saying I'm going to be a homer here, and I'm going <laughs> to pick someone on the Ottawa Senators for this. Uh, and in one of my questions with Ian Mendez, I name-dropped Jacob Chikrin. I cited uh-huh. him uh, whether or not if he was going to be Ottawa's X-Factor. In my opinion, he is. And he has to have a good year to round out that defense because uh, they have been just driving Thomas Shabbat into uh, not even the ice surface, but um, basically uh, the terms of the hockey ring that basically keeps the ice frozen because they've been playing him too much. And uh, in previous years, that was a big, big problem where there were like five, six game stretches where he would average 30 to 35 minutes a night. You can't do that. You can't do that and expect to win every night. Uh, so they do have Art and Zub in the mix. And then uh, Jake Sanderson turns into that epic stud that the Sens fans were hoping he could become a, a lot sooner than we expected. Um, we, I'm talking as a homer again. Uh, so then the Sens bring in Jacob Chikrin from Arizona, a guy that uh, Sens fans were kind of thinking, you know what, he'd be an ideal fit. And um, 
Now Jacob Chikrin is an Ottawa senator. In the short time that he was an Ottawa senator last year, he looked pretty good. And the time that he was an Arizona Coyote amidst all those distractions and recovery from injury, uh, he was playing pretty good hockey. And um, it was around a month or so ago that ESPN came out with their point projections. And I know point projections uh, like take so many grains of salt with that. Um, but they projected him to have a 16-goal, 61-point season in 77 games this year and uh, turn into the best high-scoring defenseman the Sens will have this year. Uh, that was what ESPN sees. And to counter that, Jake Sanderson, they projected him like to have less than 20 points, which is mm-hmm. like, dude, he got over half his points on the power play. I think that's pretty low for Jake Sanderson. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, Jacob Chikrin, if he can average 23 minutes of ice time per game and be around like a 40 to 50 point guy, uh, have that booming shot, you know, take up 10 to 15 goals of Ottawa's offense and just play, you know, just an all around good game. Uh, I definitely think that's going to speak volumes as to how good this Sens team can be. Uh, Also in training camp, uh, they were getting Thomas Shabbat uh, to play on his offside, and that's something he was working on uh, throughout his summer workouts, was uh, playing on his offside. Usually, um, you know, a left-handed shot would play on uh, the the left-hand side of the blue line and vice versa with a right-handed shot. But Thomas Shabbat has been playing uh, on his offside, and uh, Jacob Chikrin can play uh, the right side already. So um, I think that's that dynamic of Chikrin and Shabbat is definitely also something to watch out for as the season progresses. And how good the Sens are going to be is going to benefit is going to benefit or um, you know take lumps on how good or how bad Jacob Chikrin is. So um, for me, the player to watch this year is Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, that's a that's a good choice as well. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious just to see how Shabbat, Chikrin, and Sanderson all play together. Um, yeah, but 100%. yeah, that, that that is a good choice. All right, now we go to uh, the Stanley Cup Final Four, um, Stanley Cup Finals, and Stanley Cup winners. Um, I forget who I picked for my playoffs, but I believe I had Dallas as the one central. Um, so I'm going to say Dallas there um, in the central. Because um, they're, I guess, spoiler alert, they're going to be my Stanley Cup winner. Um, mm. I think uh, Dallas, yeah, will play... Um, yeah, let's say they're going to play Edmonton in the conference finals. Um, and then on the eastern side, um, <laughs> the eastern is, it's kind of tough because I feel like there's like <clears throat> maybe like eight teams that it could be. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I think, um, it'll be, um, yeah, let's say the Rangers, um, will come out there on that side in Toronto will be the Toronto and the Rangers. But I think the Rangers will play Dallas and I think Dallas is going to win. Can't remember if it was at this point in the season or if it was like, Oh, actually, the, you know what? Previews. You know what? I'm going to go with the devils. Actually, the devils, <laughs> the de- sorry, mm. devils and the stars. I, um, I, I feel like they're, they're going to be the, the, the two teams. 
I feel like they, they met in uh, 2000, the Stars and the Devils. Yep, they did. In the year 2000, the Devils won in six games. But this time I have the Stars winning, so ah, I'll be payback. Yep. Reversal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, wait, I think I had Rangers versus Stars at one point last year. I you can't remember who I had winning, but yeah, it felt like that did. was a prediction I had made earlier in in terms of the finals, but anyways. Uh, it does matter. I don't have the Rangers. I also don't have the Stars in my predictions. Yep. Um, but I am pretty high in the Devils, though. Uh, I have them facing the Buffalo Sabres in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know I am not on drugs when I'm making this pick. Uh, over in the West, I'm going to have the Colorado Avalanche. Um, uh, a totally sober decision. Uh, taking on the LA Kings, I think, uh, in theory, the Kings and the Devils will grade their goaltending, although it's going to be a lot, a lot tougher now that Connor Hillbuck's in Winnipeg. I, I still don't know why they did that. Anyway, uh, so that would mean uh, Devils versus Avs rematch of 2001 Stanley Cup Finals. This time, I had the Devils winning in seven. So wow. uh, the losing team from the 2000s, early 2000s, exacting revenge. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have that in common. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, now we did not coordinate this at all, by the way. No, no, we did not. Um, all right. Now we have um, the rapid fire, and I'll put 15 minutes on the clock here. Um, actually, right. let me just get set up because we're back to doing the 15 minute rapid fire. Um, all right, let me uh, just make sure I'm ready. Blah, blah, blah. We'd also okay. take the time to apologize to everyone once again for the long episode. You guys are legends for yeah. uh, That's joining true. us for this entire thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we had we're, we're going to do our best to abide uh, by the timeliness that we said. It's just we had a lot to get to today, yeah. so yep. uh, we'll we'll be a bit tighter on timing moving forward. But yeah, anyways, sure. Brett, whenever you're ready, we'll start the wrap card. Yep. All right. Okay. Uh, so Trevor Zegras, uh, he finally signs. Um, uh, he, but it was kind of surprising because there were reports that uh, the Ducks wanted him for three million, and Zegras wanted eight million. Uh, they met somewhere in the middle, which was five point seven five for three years. It's still like it's kind of a little bit low for Zegras, but three three million would have been <laughs> so crazy. It's like, I mean, I know this is what teams do in these negotiations, but $3 million for someone like Trevor Zegers, who's the best player by far on the team, kind of made no sense to me. Um, but but anyways, yeah, he had 65 points last year in 81 games uh, for a bad team. Um, and yeah, this is a nice bridge deal. I think this is kind of what we were thinking of, that it would be a, a good bridge deal for, for someone like him. And, you know, I think as well as the fact that, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be marketed. He's one of the most marketable players in the league, um, So, and this is someone that you can kind of bank on being a part of your, your franchise. I, I guess they were just trying to think of, like, oh, well, Leo Carlson's going to be the guy, maybe. Um, maybe you have Mason McTavish also being the guy. Um, so, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they have to worry about those guys uh, coming up, but yeah, of course it makes sense to lock, make sure uh, one of your stars is um, happy, and it looks like that's what they're going to do. And 
the best news is that he's going to be at RFA still at the end of this contract, too. So he's still going to be under team control um, after that. So it works out for both of them. I feel like Zegers could get a little bit more if this was like an open market thing, but um, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, um, if, if you're just a casual NHL fan, Brett, and you're walking into the concourse, you're attending the All-Star game, what's probably the one J- Ducks jersey you're guaranteed to see? It's yeah. Trevor Zegers. Yeah. <laughs> Outside actually, of, you know, John Gibson. And that, that, that happened, right. actually, because I, I went to uh, the Bruins-Ducks game in Anaheim, and, yeah, I saw yeah. so many Trevor Zegers jerseys there. It, Although, if you had to put a percentage, what would it be, like, out of all the well, jerseys that you've seen? I, I, I 30%, preface, 40%? I should preface that it was, like, 80-20 Bruins fans, but of the Ducks, <laughs> Ducks jerseys I did see, there was uh, uh, maybe, like, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, tw- uh, like, uh, yeah, roughly more than half, I would say. It's it's hard to really get a picture, but yeah, definitely more than half. Yeah. Probably had a couple of Jakob Silverbergs yeah, yeah, yeah. and Cam Fowlers and all that. Like, <laughs> pretty talented team. Yeah. But well, if you're, if you're wearing a, yeah, if you're wearing a Silverberg jersey right now, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Hey, remember when he was an Ottawa senator? Pretty uh, well, man. Uh, yeah. anyway. Um. Yeah, but like he's the breadwinner. Like he's yep. he's he's the guy that brings the clout. Uh, whatever clout the Ducks have, uh, Trevor Zegers provides uh, outside of John Gibson. But which is kind of why I was just so just so puzzled. Like the cap is going to go up. It's uh, I don't know if you're Gary Bettman uh, addressing the media, but it sounds like three to four million. A rough guesstimate, mind you, that's not set in stone. But at this rate, it looks like that's how much the cap's going to go up uh, once we get to next year. But you have all this cap space for the United Ducks. You have all this cap space already. You just gave Troy Terry a seven by seven. And you still have plenty of cap space to, you know, get, you know, Zegra signed at around like six, seven, eight million, whatever the number is. Like, he's your best offensive player. He, in theory, he's only going to get better. And like, you're, you're just, like, you're, you're just taking all this time to just battle over what, a couple million dollars? Yeah. Like, like hearing that report that uh, they were only willing to, like, pay him, like, three million dollars at first sight are you kidding me like uh, the guy we're about to talk to almost is getting three million that's his current cap hit and he barely played all of last year yeah and you have you know one of the best talented people and you look at all the contracts these stars are getting like he's worth at least five million like get out of here Mm. um uh, when you talk about the deal itself i think it's good for both sides um there's a series from one of my uh, colleagues jack richardson of everyday sense uh, and he was talking about, you know, they're pretty high on Leo Carlson. So in three years, you know, depending on what Leo Carlson is, it'll be interesting to see how they value Trevor yeah. Zegers, which uh, yeah, it's something to keep in mind. But from a Trevor Zegers point of view, like the market's going to reset over the next couple of years as Leon Dreisaitl gets paid, as Jack Eichel is expected to get paid down the road, Connor McDavid as well. As all of these players uh, see their current contracts wind down, you're going to see the market for these stars get totally reset. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, a guy like Trevor Zegers, if he signed like an 8x8 today, that would seem like a freaking bargain for the Ducks long term. 
So now you have Trevor Segris from a selfish point of view. It's just like, okay, I'll take $5.75 million for the next three years, and then I'll probably get like 9 or $10 million on my next deal mm. if I exceed the expectations on this deal and perform at the level that uh, my peers are performing at. And also, if the Ducks are still crap after these three years and I want to change the scenery a la Matthew Kachuk, I can just say, yeah, sorry, um, I kind of want to go elsewhere. Yeah. I'll give you my list of teams and we'll be on our way. Mm. Thanks. So I think for the player and for the team, this is probably the best path forward. Yep. Uh, that kind of leads into our next item here. Um, that, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the Ducks cap-friendly page here. Um, in three years, uh, Cam Fowler's, uh, so Zegers is going to be an RFA. Uh, Cam Fowler's going to be a UFA. Radko Gudis is going to be a UFA. And then you have Jamie Drysdale, which is the this new item. He has a three-year deal worth $2.3 million each um, there. And then Pavel Minchikov and Tristan Lunau are also RFAs as well in three years. So, um, so yeah, it, like, you know, because of Fowler and Gudis, uh, those contracts ending there, it's like it gives you some room for to, to pay Zegris more money if you need to do it that way as well. Um, although I, I get, oh, and, and Leo Carlson's also in three years as well. Um, it looks like. No, uh, yeah, in three years as well, he's going to yeah. be an RFA. And even before yeah. that, um, Mason McTavish yeah. is a is an RFA in two years, so they're going to yeah. have to pay him. Yeah. And if he continues to perform, he's probably going to cost yeah. a, a fair bit. Uh, John Gibson and Alex Kalorn will be UFAs uh, three year, uh, a year after that timeline you mentioned, yeah. Brett. They have uh, four years left on their deals. And they also cost over $6 million per year yeah. currently. So, um there's going to be a lot of uh, cap space getting freed up by the Ducks. And, you know, as the cap starts to go up, all of a sudden, you know, the Ducks have a nice young team mm -hmm. with the potential to, you know, sign all of their star players to affordable contracts yep. that, you know, for for future years is going to make them a lot better. Yep. Uh, so I guess I understand in a perfect world what the Ducks are trying to do. But still, it's just kind of like picking straws over, you know, the, yep. the young players of the present and the future that I just kind of feel is going to fuel toxic negotiations down the road because, you know, players have memories of elephants. It's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that contract negotiations. Yeah. I didn't like that. So we're going to try my way this time. Well, it's and yeah. um, I, I feel like it's I, – I feel like for the dogs it's just like, uh, you know, careful how you go about this kind of yeah. deal. Well, it's Especially also – they're they're still in a position where they're struggling to make a name for themselves. Right. Well, it's also kind of strange because it's like okay, sure, maybe if you make if McTavish the guy or if you make Leo Carlson the guy yet, but it's like which is fine. Like maybe they are the guy, but even if they are the guy, then you still would want Trevor Zegers in your system, even if he starts to become a supporting cast. And you don't even know how good Leo Carlson's going to be. So that, that part's a little bit strange as well. Um, I do want to touch on uh, Jamie Drysdale just a little bit. He, he only played yes. like four games last year, uh, but he got $2.3 for three more years. Um, so kind of just like, we'll deal with it later down the line. But the Ducks do have Minchikov. They do have Zellweger. Tristan Lunau is another one. Uh, they did claim Lassie Thompson off of waivers, but uh, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but the Senators reclaimed no. him. 
um, so they don't have Lassie Thompson anymore. Um, so like that, but that's another situation where it's like, yeah, you like Jamie Drysdale might be the guy. It looks, but it looks like Minchukov or Zellweger are going to be the main defensive players that they rely on um, in the future. And you still have Cam Fowler in the mix, who um, who was actually kind of decent last year, uh, believe it or not. So, um, so yeah, it, it's an interesting situation there. Um, I don't know if you have any more on Jimmy Drysdale, but I think I do want to move on to our next topic. Um, is yeah, um, just real real quick, I wanted to mention, uh, by the way, Pavel Minchikov and Olin Selweger are both left-handed shots. Drysdale's a right-handed shot. Uh-huh. Potentially the idea of one of them playing with Drysdale looks pretty effing sweet, and yeah. I can't I can't wait to see how Drysdale's yeah. development uh, is impacted by those two talents. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to get to probably the biggest news we haven't talked about yet, and yeah. it's in our division, the two teams that we cheer right, for, right. and both of them. No, but that's a good point, the right-handed, left-handed shot stuff, so yeah, that could that could definitely yeah. have a factor there. Uh, but yeah, uh, Andre Vasilevsky um, is what we're talking about. He, um, this could have been a, like a main topic, but uh, but yeah, he uh, he had uh, underwent back surgery a few weeks ago, Um. And um, or last week, um, and uh, and yeah, he had it in uh, late September. It says that he's expected to return in late November or early December. So basically, that means that they won't have Vasilevsky for um, for basically the first half of the season. Um, and um, yeah, this is this is kind of this is going to be a huge loss for for Tampa Bay because. Their backup is this Jonas Johansson, which was so bad. Um, I forget. I think there was like a in Colorado that the beat writer was saying that he was bar none the worst goaltender he's ever seen play. Um, Just and, a reminder: he was picked ahead of Elias Dorokin and Igor Shosturkin. So in his draft year, um, I I still think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to make the playoffs because like I feel like. It, you know, at this point, it's 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 something where it's like, you know, you you can never count out the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, and all that stuff, but um, there is something to be said, and we kind of alluded to this earlier on, um, in this episode, um, was that like, you know, he's played, Vasilevsky has played like roughly sixty games or a majority of the games, um, and he's like a he's like one of the true workhorses in this league. Um, so, um, yeah, and he, he always puts up decent numbers and things like that, um, or great numbers as well. So he's, he's kind of like a rare breed in that sense where he, he doesn't need a backup. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious just to see what the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to do and if they're going to, like, it's, it's very possible that the Lightning could just struggle out the gate. And, um, and, um, and all that stuff, but um, I am also curious, because I know that Hugo Alnefelt, um, which who is, has been there, like, has been in the Tampa Bay Lightning system for a, a long time, so if Jonas Johansson um, isn't going to work out, I wonder if they call up Alnefeld, um into their into the fold and uh, see if he can take off, um, and yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, just look at Andre Vasilevsky's games played over the course of the past six seasons. So starting from 2017-18, 
So that year he played in uh, 65 total games, 64 starts. He won yeah. 44 of them with a 920 save percentage and faced over 2,000 shots, I might add. Uh, 2018-19, he played in 53 games, won 39 of them with a 925 save percentage. Um, and over this time, he had 14 total shutouts. Forget uh, the sweep against Columbus. We won't talk about that. 2019-20, uh, he plays in 52 games, wins 35 of them with a 917 save percentage. 2020-21, uh, the pandemic season, he plays in 42 games. That was a 56-game campaign, so basically all of them. Uh, winning 31 of them, uh, posting a 925 save percentage, Tampa wins back-to-back -back cups off of that performance. 21-22, uh, he plays in 63 games. That's an 82-game season. He wins 39 of them with a 916 save percentage. And even though Tampa was uh, worse for wear compared to previous seasons last year, he still played 60 games, he still put up 34 wins, and his save percentage was 915. Now, in that time frame... 2018-19, you notice the 53 games played. That was an 82-game season. And uh, there was a bit of time where Tampa Bay had to lean on their backup goalie to get wins, and they did. Do you remember, Brett, off the top of your head, who their backup was that year? No. Louis Domingue. Oh, wow. Because he had a lengthy winning streak uh, in that time period. So um, I guess they're thinking Jonas Johansson, if Louis Domingue can do that, they believe in the natural raw talent that Jonas Johansson provides because he definitely is a big goalie hmm. uh, and he's had some flashes of brilliance in Colorado. If they just put in a guy that just gives them a chance to win and, you know, he like two or three goals against whatever, the rest he stops them. Uh, if, he, if he just holds the fort um, like a Martin Jones in Seattle last year, his numbers don't have to be great. The goals against average can be near three. The save percentage can be like 899, 902, whatever. As long as the win-loss, overtime shootout-loss record is passable, um, Tampa will probably take whatever options they can get. And the fact that they're up against the salary cap, do they have a choice? Like, yeah. even if they stash fast Levski in a long-term injured reserve, um, they're going to have to find a way to, you know, remain yep. cap compliant when he comes back. And that has been a challenge that uh, people have kind of, I think, in my opinion, overlooked here. Um, for example, Martin Jones, he was available on the waiver wire. Right. He was sent down by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He gonna, had to clear waivers. I'm going to have to cut second, you off here. But uh, sorry, we, uh, the 15 minutes has passed. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, just Apparently there point. was a signing bonus that would have been paid to Martin Jones had they claimed him. So I think for that reason, that's why Martin Jones went unclaimed. Tampa didn't claim him. Yep. And they're just going to be like, for better or worse, we have to trust this guy. Yep. So let's roll with him. I felt like I had to cut you off, but I also didn't. Like, I thought you were I didn't, just. I didn't hear the ringer, so I just uh, felt, oh, we have like two minutes left. No, 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 we don't. So that's anyways. Right. Um, yeah. Endeth the lesson there. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, um. Yeah. So that's that's about it uh, for us here at Lace Them Up. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. This is Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again. In episode 383 of the Lace Them Up Podcast. <laughs>